Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Time now to turn our attention to headlines from around the region. For Malaysian Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim's one-day visit to Singapore to Myanmar's junta preparing for another elections. Yep, uh, we've got Dr. Felix Tan, political observer, Nanyang Technological University on the line with us. Good evening, Dr. Felix. Hi, good evening, Elliot. Um, so let's start off with Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim's one-day visit to Singapore. Of course, the significance has to be those three agreements that were signed. Um, let's talk a little bit about those agreements and what it means for our two countries. Mm-hmm. I think those three agreements, if you look at it, it's really bilateral agreements on uh, things on digital, green economy, cybersecurity. And so a lot of that is dealing with uh, electronic or, or technical aspects of policies and of agreements it's easier to deal with in that sense and i think uh, looking deeper into sustainability efforts between the two countries as well so i think that is a, a good start with a new government in malaysia and also uh, for singapore as well well a good start is always a good thing but prime minister anwar said no bilateral issues should be left unresolved oh, is he referring to something specific here Oh, well, well, I think one of the issues that he did talk about and he did refer to was the Pedro Branca issue. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, of, of course, there are still many outstanding bilateral issues that will take some time to re- to resolve. I think some of the issues can range from, uh, for example, the flight information region, FIR, or the rapid transit system, the RTS, and also the causeway congestion, which is, I think, a bane to a lot of people from, you know, in Singapore and in Malaysia. So these are definitely a lot of outstanding issues that will probably take a political will on both mm-hmm. sides to resolve at this point in time. Hmm, I tell you what, Dr. Felix, I've got an unresolved issue. Can I get my high-speed rail back, please? Well, <laughs> never say never for that issue. I think, you know, we might actually see a return of, of that, of, of the discussion. Uh, but let's see what, what's happened, you know, take it bit by bit. Well, interestingly enough, speaking of the HSR, uh, the former Prime Minister Mahathir Mohamed and Muhyiddin Yassin have been sued over this uh, termination of the HSR project between the two countries. What is this case all about? Is this, uh, does this have legs to go? All right. I think for one, we had to look at that this entire case. It's just you know, the writ of summons to sue the two former prime ministers and also other individuals. You know, have been sent out by you know one particular individual. I think he's from the Amana Party as well, mm-hmm. uh, Muhammad Hatta Sanuri. And I, I think it might be there's a likelihood to be thrown out eventually. I mean, you know, there are a lot of things and you know, accusations that are ongoing. But I think secondly, we have to look at you know what. Uh, what is the cause, you know, uh, whether there was a clear loss of opportunities and revenue as so claimed by this individual. Mm. And that would need to be determined and, and to what extent. Another thing that we need to look at is whether, you know, that the accusations can be proven that there was indeed some form of negligence or a lack of due diligence on the part of Mahathir or Muhyiddin, you know, when terminating the high-speed rail project in the first place. So I think all in all, at this point in time, I think it's best that Singapore stay out of the matter and let it on its own. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, okay, I take back my comments. Uh, Dr. Felix, let's uh, move on to talk about an issue coming out of Jakarta. So, protesters mm-hmm. gathered outside Sweden's embassy in Jakarta to demonstrate against the burning of a Koran by a far-right Danish politician, Rasmus Paludan. Uh, what is the backstory here? I mean, I, I, for sure, the, the, the reaction is going to be quite huge. This, I find it quite difficult to say, burning of a Koran. 
Mm-mm. I think first things first that came to my mind when I read about this, you know, I wasn't really surprised, you know, Indonesia being the largest uh, Muslim population in, in, in the world. Uh, but I think one the, the, the thing was in my mind was who paid these protesters to demonstrate in the mm-hmm. first place? Mm-hmm. And there is a definite history of that. But I think, nevertheless, we shall give these protesters the benefit of doubt. Uh, <laughs> there are indeed uh, extremists uh, in Indonesia still where given the opportunity to protest will do so. So the burning of the Koran by this far-right politician, it's, I think, has only provided the trigger point, the appropriate, in, in this sense, a trigger point for these extremists to proclaim that perhaps, you know, their religion is, is, is targeted by the West and there's a general hatred of their religion. So I think it's a case that is, is being very opportunistic by, you know, by these extremist groups. But I think on that note, I think uh, Indonesia has already summoned Sweden's envoy over this particular issue and well I don't think there will be a huge diplomatic fallout from this but you know both both points have already been raised on a diplomatic level and it's not the first time this has happened actually uh, doctor this uh, Danish politician it has happened before I believe in France when they had a depiction of uh, the Prophet Muhammad as well mm. the Charlie Hebdo case mm. so this is an ongoing thing when it comes to freedom of expression right Yes, exactly. The I think West versus the, the the rest <laughs> of us, you know, kind yeah, of thing. The, yeah, exactly. Something against the West, and you know, I think. But all this, we have to take it uh, mindfully. You know, we have to take it step by step and mm-hmm. see what's the situation and how it progresses over time. And it's a very very sensitive issue. All right, uh, Myanmar's junta is preparing for elections. First thing that pops in my mind, Doctor Felix, is uh, can this be considered legitimate? I, I think whether it's, uh, I think this is definitely an illegitimate uh, election. I mean, uh, at this point in time, uh, it's first and foremost, I think if there ever going to be an election, it will be completely a farce. I mean, there will certainly be only certain approved candidates involved. Not all will participate or can participate. So it's likely not going to be a free and fair election, mm. not at least in the, the, the democratic form, you know. Uh, and secondly, one would also wonder whether an election is even possible, given that it will be difficult to hold an election in so many areas in Myanmar, mm. where there is still some resistance against the military junta. And uh, I think this will be this will make voting or even holding any form of campaigning uh, impossible. I think thirdly, another reason is that an election that excludes certain groups yeah. Not least the NLD, for example, or even individuals associated with the NLD, simply because they don't hold the uh, military junta's line, you know, or consider as pro-military candidates, will make the election, you know, completely a joke. So I, I don't think at this point in time, it definitely is illegitimate. You know, it's completely, yeah, not out for discussion. <laughs> Doctor, let's uh, talk about the political situation in Thailand. Do you think mm. the ruling government is shivering now that uh, another uh, Thaksin Sinawat relative, daughter for that matter, is uh, now proclaiming that uh, she's confident that a landslide, she or her, her party at least, will uh, take on a landslide victory in the next elections? Mm. I think there is no doubt, or there's very little doubt that Ms. Shina Wat or Fei Tong Tan, you know, the, the daughter, has a substantial support. I think very much so from the northern and mm-hmm. the northeastern region of Thailand, the Isan province area. I think, moreover, part of the Shinawat dynasty puts her in a very good state uh, within the Per Thai party. 
uh, which is mainly a party for Shinawat supporters and also uh, the, you know, for uh, Shinawat supporters. So I think as much as Thailand has stabilized, moving away from this sort of divisive politics, it can mm-hmm. return to the fore. And uh, I think there are many segments of society that will be affected. Uh, just one thing to follow up on this one. Uh, does Thaksin Shinawat still have the same support from, well, it's <laughs> almost two decades ago now? Uh, does he, can he still count on this support from the North? Uh, I think at this point in time, uh, the North, uh, they still feel very marginalized from, you know, uh, at least the after effect of what's happening. Mm. And I think that will still be ongoing in, uh, in, in Thailand. And uh, that is the, 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 the split in Bangkok itself, you can see it very, very clearly between, you know, third high supporters and also other political parties. So I think it is still there. It's still in existence. It's just that uh, I think the COVID-19 situation might have mitigated the situation and calmed things down a little bit more in, in, in recent months. All right. Uh, Dr. Felix, uh, we'll leave it at that and let you get into your F-18. Dr. Felix Tan, <laughs> political observer, Nanyang Technological University. Uh, thanks as always for your time. Take care. Have a great day. Yeah. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.